Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. All right, yeah. Dude, I'm pumped. I'm so excited just to be sharing with you guys. Man, this has been such a fun season. Like, there's just so many exciting things happening uh, for our church, for me personally. Uh, So I'm really just excited. And um, my prayer today going into this, I mean, I had a lot of weird expectation for it. Hence the title uh, that Caleb gave to this sermon. Like, where is it? Best sermon ever? Like, really? I mean, talk about like setting the bar high. I don't, I, I, so I told him, like, I can't, no promises. Like, I can't, but I can promise that this will be the best sermon ever preached by me on this day at this time. So, guarantee. But uh, it, it was different from me, for, for me, preparing for this message because I'm all about like expository sermons, exposition, exposing the word, like marked. Uh, we've been in marked for two and a half years. I'm excited to jump back into it. But what that means is you're just exposing the word. You're like, here's the passage, and um, and here's what we're and we find the truth from there. And it's just my my preferred style rather than like a topical um, style. And so Caleb just say, hey, preach the best sermon ever, and you could preach it from your from your book. We're going to have the books out there. And a lot of people are like, that's amazing. You wrote a book. And I'm just like, you, you haven't even read it yet. Like, <laughs> I mean, I wrote it, but it doesn't mean it's, it's good. Uh, but I pray that, I pray that it encourages you. Like, this is my heart. So if you feel like, you know, I'm, I'm teaching from my, my book, a lot of what I prepared, it took me two years to write it. I don't recommend, if you want to write a book, I don't recommend uh, taking two years to do it. Um, but a lot of what, like what I feel I got to put on my heart is poured into that book. But, uh, my wife encouraged me as it relates to today, as I was like prepping, it kind of felt like, um, you know, when you spend like an hour, like you want to watch something on Netflix or one of the streaming things. And you're just like, like an hour and a half into like scrolling. It's like, well, that looks kind of like I have 14 chapters in my book and I was just like, oh, I could talk about this. I could talk about this. I I felt like half of my prep time was just figuring out what I wanted to say because I got I got so much to say because I spent two and a half years pouring into this uh, book that I wrote. So my wife encouraged me not to like because she's really good encourager. And um, and she was just saying, you know what, this is kind of like a heart like pastoral moment like maybe it's not like expository sermon style but it's this is just me sharing my heart and so that's that's where I'm coming from today and there are actually a lot of things on my heart for this church like there's this is stuff on my heart that I just feel like is God's put on my heart to share with the world but also specifically for this church today for people in the room today and I'm just going to kind of be real. It's going to be a little different for me. And maybe it's a little different for you, like whatever. But, but, I, but I'm sh- I want it to have the purpose of just being real, authentic, and for the purpose of encouraging you.
today. So I'm, I'm praying that it encourages you today. I'm, I'm confident that there are people in the room that need to hear this idea. And my book is called Fulfilled for uh, Hard Questions. I'm like, what was the name of my book? Four Hard Questions that will increase clarity and confidence in your purpose. Because where, where it's coming from with this idea is that when I was 15 years old, I was just wondering, what is the purpose of life? I was just wondering, I wrote down in my journal, would anybody really care if I was gone? And I wasn't really suicidal. I wasn't serious about that. I just wasn't finding anything fulfilling in life. And I was kind of, kind of jumping around, hoping things would fulfill me. But I wrote that down because I, I felt this massive void in my life of purpose. Like, what is, what's the point of this thing? Like, kind of growing up, you think, man, I want to do fun things to fill. I want to be fulfilled. And I, I think the reality is we are just looking for things. We often are so easily distracted. And when this question comes up of what is your purpose in life, we kind of sweep it under the rug because we don't have a clear or confident answer about it. We're just like, I, I, don't, I don't know. And so what my, my prayer is today and what, who this message is for today is for people who, who feel like, man, I'm not sure what this is. I'm not confident what my purpose is in life. And I feel like the main uh, person God put on my heart is for people who said, man, I guess this is just as good as it gets. I, I guess this is the normal. I guess this is, I will never find really meaning in life or purpose in life or fulfillment in life. But I think if we're real, a lot of us kind of, uh, if we were taking analysis of our life, it's like, let me just get through life, try not to be a jerk, pay taxes, contribute to society, and try not to be a jerk to too many people. Like that is a really lame mission statement for your life. But I think if we boil it down, that's how a lot of us are living our life. And I want to encourage you that there is more. Maybe it feels like this is as good as it gets. I will never, never find a way that I can contribute and have meaning to my life. But I'm here today to encourage somebody that feels like, man, this is as good as it gets. Man, what, that, there is, that there is purpose for your life. That God didn't make any accident when he created you. Ephesians 2.10 says you are his workmanship, that he crafted you. you, he made you in his image, in Jesus, for good works, so that you would walk in them. And the reality is, many of us know that, we've heard that verse, like, Pastor, I've heard that one before, but many of us aren't walking in them. It says, Ephesians 2.10, that you would walk in them, there's the good works that are there, but there are things that are keeping us from walking in them. And that, that's my heart is to identify those things that are holding us back from walking in those good works. Because some of us are just trapped and feel stuck and feel like I've just settled. Maybe it's been years. You've kind of just said, I'm, I've plateaued. This is as good as it's going to get. I'm not really going to find purpose in my life. And you've accepted it as the new normal. You've accepted it as this is as good as it's going to get. And my, my, uh, my message here today is based on this cool little box here that, uh, that Jesse and some of the guys made. Um, it's that the things that chain us back, so this is purpose, and the things that hold us back from unlocking purpose, these chains represent deception. 
these chains are lies. Because the, the only thing that can hold us back from walking in our purpose is deception, is lies. And I'm going to just share some truth with you. Scripture says that you will know the truth and the truth will do what? And this is, this is the reality of what's, what's happened is there are lies that are holding us back from our purpose. That, we have, that we've made agreement with them. We've given these lies power in our life to stop us from walking in our purpose. You were created for good works. But we've, we've uh, made agreement with lies that hold us back from these good works. The thesis of my book is that your purpose is rooted in selflessness. So I kind of give some direction as far as like what, where, where you need to find purpose. And so I want to come with that framework and identify four different things that God just put on my heart to share with y'all that, that we allow to hold us back from purpose, from finding meaning in our life. And so the first thing, so these are four different chains of deception. And the first one is this, is misdirection. And I say misdirection, and I, and I just mentioned that the purpose of my, or the thesis of my book is that your purpose is rooted in selflessness. But many of us have misdirection as we are pursuing our purpose. When I was in elementary school, uh, we would always like, I would always be looking forward to recess. Come on, anybody else out there just like, it's like, that was my favorite subject in school. It's like, when, when's recess happening? But watching that clock. And uh, we'd always play football. Like, that was just like, you know, that was a thing. And uh, we'd be, you know, trying to s- scrape together a team. Um, and you only had so much time, so you had to hurry. And then we were, was one day we were down a few players. And these one kids that never played with us, they were twins. And they, they ran track and field, but they never played football with, with us. And I was like, hey, we can get them involved. Let's, we need some people. They can run. Like, that's all we need. You got this. And so we, we grabbed them, and I told them what, how it goes. Like, all right, here's the ball. You run, try to get it there, try to stop them from going there. Makes sense. Let's go. And so we started playing a little bit, and, you know, you only have so much time. And then uh, made a few plays, and I was like, hey, it's finally time to pass it to one of them. And, um, and I told the quarterback, hey, make sure you pass it to him. And so in the next play, gets back, sees him wide open, throws it to him. He catches it. And just takes off running. Remember, he ran track and field. He was a nobody even touched him. Nobody even touched him. Made it all the way to the end zone, right? And he was like, looks back, and we were all like all the way across the field for him. And he was, and then he started looking a little confused. He was at the wrong end zone. He literally ran (laughs) so fast, and he was celebrating. He was excited, but he was running the wrong way. And I wonder if some of us are celebrating the wrong things. We're, we're pursuing our purpose, but we're running in the wrong direction. And we, sometimes we may not even look back right now because we're so excited about things that we're excited about. But God's like, I never told you to run that way. And we're looking back. And, and if we look back, we might get that nudge saying, and God's saying, hey, I never told you to run that way. I never told you running towards the wrong goal. And that wrong goal, I'll just let you know, a selfish goal is not God's purpose for your life. And so much of our culture is just rooted in and focused on building yourself up. Like, how can you advance your career, get more money, buy your house, buy your car, buy your boat? It's, it, those things will not fulfill you. 
Like, you're going to find that emptiness. You're going to find that same feeling that my friend did as he ran across this line. He was running so fast. He was excited for it. He felt good. It doesn't matter how many zeros in your bank account. It doesn't matter how many followers on your social media. That's not going to do it for you. That's not, it's going to leave you empty. Maybe it gives you a little taste of it. Maybe it feels good as you're starting to get there. But I think a lot of us are chained in this, in this purpose. We don't feel like we're unlocking purpose. We don't feel like we're connecting with it. We're not confident or clear about it because we're running in the wrong direction. And if I was to give you some direction, it would be to simply serve others. Your purpose is not about elevating yourself. Your purpose is rooted in saying, I'm going to value other people more than myself. Philippians 2, this is describing who Jesus is and his mission. And it, and it says this, it says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more, than, more, more significant than yourselves. And that is a simple guide to living out your purpose. If you need direction today, it's like, I don't know what my purpose is. Really simple. This is the common denominator with everybody's purpose. To simply count others more significant than your own. To simply value other people more than your own. That's a challenge. It's a decision I have to make every day because we are an innately selfish people. We are always like by default, I'm looking out for me. And, and I have to daily choose. I have to daily say I'm going to surrender myself and count others more significant than my own. Matthew 20, 28, Jesus was shown by example who he is. He said, you know what? Son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom. Your calling, your purpose is not about elevating yourself. It's laying your life down. Like, I don't know if I'm encouraging or discouraging you today. But it's laying your life down. And you know, the, the next verse in that Philippians 2, uh, it talks about how Jesus had this mindset, laid his life down, and for the joy before him. See, I may be discouraging someone, but there's actually joy in surrendering your life and serving other people and laying your needs down and counting others' needs more significant than your own. There's joy in it because that's what God created you to do. I don't know exactly what that means. Could be in your job, could be in your neighborhood, could be in your family. But when you serve other people and count others' needs more significant than your own, you're doing that. So if you're wondering today, am I doing my purpose today? Am I walking in my purpose? Did I walk in my purpose yesterday? Am I walking in those good works that he created me for. Just ask yourself, did I count others' needs more significant than my own yesterday? Because it doesn't matter. Sometimes we, we equate calling and purpose with finding the right career. Like that is a hard, like that is a high set goal. Like you can find purpose in whatever career he puts you in, whatever God lays in front of you. It's not about so, so many people are, are caught up with, and, and that's good. Like find the right job, do your best. But honestly, you're never going to be happy no matter what career you have. If you have selfish goals, if you're elevating yourself, choose to serve other people. And here's what, ha here's what happens. When you choose to serve other people, I got a key. See, here's the key. The key to unlocking this chain right here, this chain represents misdirection. We're held back by misdirection. And when you take this key, which is deciding to choose, deciding to serve other people, this is what happens. You unlock 
You unlock that chain that's holding you back of misdirection. And you say, God, I'm going to choose because you have called me. I'm recognizing that my purpose is not about me. My purpose is rooting and serving others. And you unlock that chain. For some of us today, we are chained by that misdirection. I believe each one of these four things, maybe some of us have one, two, three, four, all of them. Maybe some of us today need to unlock that chain of misdirection. The second chain that I want to talk about that holds us back from purpose is comparison. And, oh man, this is so prevalent today because social media, and if you want to like, man, get excited, if you feel like you're doing a great job, and you're like, man, I'm really good, it's not, it doesn't take you very, very long scrolling to find someone who's better than you. Like, remember when we were kids and you had to have the self-awareness, social awareness to know who's more popular than you? Now there's hard data to prove. Like this is just, comparison is just more prevalent than ever. But who cares? This is what I want to tell you. Who cares? Like who cares? That is so meaningless. Like real, I just need it. Someone needs to hear this today. Who cares? There is a lie that, that, that our value is based off of what other people have, but it's just unique and different. Like my kids will be working on an art project together, and they're different ages, and they make something, and, I'm, and then one of them comes up, and it's like, look at this. And the next one comes up, look at this. And I'm not like, oh, this one's better. This one has way more value. Like, oh, sorry. They're, see, that's the beauty of these of kids my age, my kids' age is that they're not worried. They're not looking at each other's and saying, oh man, Charlotte's is better, so mine is less valuable. Mine's worse. Here's what I believe, this is practical, that we need to start changing some vocabulary. I think the lie is in the word better. Like what is that based on? It's not based on anything God cares about. It's not based like better. What does that mean? You know what we need to start changing the word? Better to different. You know, and if we start saying, you know what, that person's not better than me. That person's different than me. I'm not better than them. I'm different from them. See, here's, here's something unique. Like, I was talking about how comparison so it's such a big deal right now in 2021 like never before. But comparison is in the Bible. The downfall of King Saul started with comparison. Like, King Saul, like people are roasting King Saul all day, but I feel for the guy because he was actually a solid king. People saw him and said, hey, well, let's make him the king. He was doing his best. And then someone better than him came up. Someone better. Do you know who it was? It was a dude that killed Goliath. And someone better than him. And this wasn't this wasn't just like, oh yeah, nobody really knows about it. This was in their face. The scripture said they came back, the women of the city were singing a song about how David was exponentially better than Saul. It went like this: Saul killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. Like they sang a song. How would you feel if you were Saul? (laughs) Like people are always roasting the guy because he's the worst. But I'm like, I would not feel good 
about y'all singing about how someone else is exponentially better than me. (laughs) See, the reality is, is comparison will only bring out two things from you. You'll either get prideful of like, dude, I'm better than you. Or you'll get jealous of this person is better than me. And for King Saul, it says he got, no, it says he got jealous and then he got angry. And that emotion led him to the downfall of his, of his life. It turned him from someone saying, man, God's anointed me as king, to, to taking the eyes off the goal and making it about who's better. But I wonder if King Saul would have said, you know what, David's coming up and I see someone different than me. What if he learned to celebrate David's difference? And too many of us are focused on who's better. I'm better. They're better. Who cares? Why don't you start saying, man, they're different and I'm going to celebrate them. Like we need to break off this and simply just celebrate other people. I'm going to show you how it's done. Sam right over here. Oh, he just started Instagramming me, right? (laughs) Sam right here. He's different. And I see a unique anointing on you, bro. There is a unique anointing. I'm so excited to hear your message in two weeks. And there is a different anointing that this church has an experience, that this world has an experience. It's like nobody else's. When I see you preach, when I see you lead, there's, there's something about you that is different. And I want to celebrate you. Can we celebrate this guy right here? He has a faithfulness and a servant's heart. And when you do that, man, when we, when we just learn to celebrate each other, That's where the body of Christ becomes strong because we're all different. Romans 12 talks about this, and I love the message version. It says, let's just go ahead and be who we're made to be. Go ahead and be who we're made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. Let's just celebrate others without pride, without envy. And choose to just be in your lane and not look at someone else. And then the lie. See, that's the lie. There's, there's that lie with, with saying, man, I'm going to ch- choose to serve myself. Unlock that with serving others. But the lie that someone else's gifts make your gifts less valuable. Comparison is that trap. But if you choose to celebrate, if you choose to celebrate, it unlocks that shame that's holding you back from your purpose. When you say, I'm going to celebrate someone else, I'm going to see someone else, and I'm going to celebrate them. I'm going to be like, they're different, and I'm celebrating that because that's what the body of Christ does. The third thing is this, is, and this, these are just things that I felt like you all needed here for, for this group. This is not an exhaustive list because there's probably a lot of other things, but I feel like this is what God put on my heart to share with you. It's this, it's a lack of spiritual awareness. See, this chain right here represents, man, we're not even aware that the enemy wants to keep you from your purpose. See, God created you for good works, selfless things, things that serve other people. And when you serve other people, man, if it's in your job, if it's in, man, something, I feel like encouraging someone that God put something on your heart years ago and you've kind of given up hope on it. And God wants to reignite that hope. God wants to reignite the belief that this is possible, that he spoke something to you. He's not going to speak something to you if he's not going to bring it to pass. 
But here's the reality. The reason that you've given on, up hope on that is because you're not even aware of how the enemy wants to take that out. Like it's a fight. It's a battle. So if you're taking territory for the, for the Lord, you're stepping on the enemy's territory. He doesn't like that. The devil wants to stop you from living in your purpose. And he knows your weak spots. I've experienced more spiritual warfare on my life. We've experienced more spiritual warfare as a couple. Our church has actually experienced, our staff and leadership has experienced more spiritual warfare, opposition, these attacks. But, but it's, it's about aware, awareness. The failure is just chopping it up to being like, oh man, this stuff's getting in my way. Oh man, I'm discouraged. Oh man, I'm falling back into temptation again and I'm losing sight of the thing that God's called me to do. I'm losing sight of that purpose, that dream that God's put in my heart. And so the, so the failure is just lack of spiritual awareness, lack, lack of recognizing that this is not just happenstance, coincidence, but because I'm starting to believe that God can use me, I'm starting to choose to serve others. I'm starting to celebrate instead of compare. I'm starting to believe that God can actually use me and that his word is true. And then all of a sudden we get hit with these things in our minds and our hearts and these things we fall back into. And he knows our weak spots and the devil's poking at us there. But 1 Peter 5, 8 simply says to be aware. Yeah. It says, be sober-minded and alert. That the enemy is prowling around like a, like a lion seeking whom he shall devour, seeking someone to, de to devour. And so many of us are getting caught up and we're not recognizing that it's the enemy that wants to take us out. But I have another awareness that we need to be aware of, not just the enemy's attack on us, but the awareness of our authority in Jesus. See, I don't know about you, but when I've experienced spiritual warfare, I actually just get excited and take it as confirmation because I'm like, if I'm making the devil nervous, I'm doing something right. I shared this story a while back, but uh, three or four years ago, uh, we were at the beach with my daughter, with our family. And every time I go to the beach, I dig a hole. Ask anybody in my family. I just grab a, I, I mean a big hole. Like I bring my shovel and walk out there to the beach and people are like, what's this dude doing? And it's just like a therapeutic thing for me. Judge me if you want. I don't care. Like, I just <laughs> dig this massive hole, and it's just something makes me feel good about it. And then my kids get to play in it. Like, they just have a blast, like, just doing rolling in and sliding in and getting all dirty. It's, it's fun, and I enjoy seeing my kids have fun. Um, but every time we do this, it attracts other kids. They're like, oh, a hole? Like, what's this about? Like, <laughs> dude, there's a hole over here. And, um, and so, so Charlotte was playing and, and we, it was, day was going on, kids were coming in and out and me and V were chilling, watching Charlotte, Charlotte was sitting by herself in the whole plane and these kids walk up and I'm, you know, I don't know, like 15, 20 feet away, kind of watching. And I see these kids come up and say, Hey, this is our hole. <laughs> they were like trying to kick her out of the hole. And then and then she just like nipped it in the bud. She just said, my dad built this hole. <laughs> and they were like, oh, snap. And then I was just like chilling, watching. And then they looked back at me and I was just like, what's up? <laughs> and then they just like felt like awkward and then just like walked away. <laughs> and I think we need to be more like Charlotte. When the enemy comes at us 
and is like, hey, let me take this purpose from you. Let me stop you. You're not enough. You're not good enough. You're never going to do this. Remember what you did last week? Remember these soft points? Remember how much you've messed up in your life? Remember what your dad did? Remember who you are? The enemy starts throwing these lies at us. Say, you know what? My daddy built this. I'm his workmanship. He created me. You ain't got nothing on this. And the devil just was like, like walks away. He's like, you're right. I, I don't have anything of it. But we need to be aware. When we are aware, when we are aware of the fact that, man, the enemy's coming at me, but I'm aware of the authority that I have in Jesus, that he made this. I'm his workmanship. Then, then that's when these, these lies, these things, that these the chains of deception start to fall off. Some of us today need to break off that chain that there's, that there's just a lack of spiritual awareness and we need to be sober-minded and alert. The enemy's out coming at us, but we have authority. The last thing is, is this. This last chain represents uh, identity crisis. And just that we don't know who we are. We get lost in who we are. We start to find our identity in other things. We start to find identity based on our accomplishments and what we're capable of doing. And we, can, and we find like this idea, man, I need to prove myself. I need, I need to do something and then I'll be fulfilled. I need, the only, that, that's great and it is a fulfilling thing. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I love coming up here and, and preaching. It does fulfill me. And hearing, hearing y'all say, man, that was so encouraging. That is fulfilling. But if I find my fulfillment based on what I do, what happens when I mess up? What happens when I don't feel like I'm succeeding? What happens if I go and do something else and I'm not feeling like I'm doing something good? I'm basing my identity on something that is ultimately outside of my control. I can't control whether, how successful I am. I can't control the outcome of me showing up and serve. I'll, I'll, I'll focus on that. But if I'm so, so uh, focused, if I find my identity on my impact, if I find my identity on like my gift and my role and what I do, then I'm setting myself up for disappointment. Yeah. Because what I do, I still make mistakes. I still will fall short. And if I find my identity in that, then I'm going to be so disappointed because I'm like, man, I failed, so I'm a failure. Uh, last night, uh, Charlotte was, um, we, were, we got home from this trip that we went on, it was a blast, and uh, sh- we were getting them ready for bed. And Charlotte, I, we got them upstairs, and I found Charlotte's shoes laying like right smack dab in the middle of the floor. Like, I've told her like a billion times, like, hey, we get home, let's practice this, like, shoes in the thing. And, um, and then so I was, like, kind of tired and probably a little less patient. And so I kind of grabbed, I was like, Charlotte, like, did you see these shoes? Like, you left them right there in the middle of the room. And then I just noticed her countenance change. And, you know, she kind of was playing with her sisters and having a good time, getting ready for bed. And then she just kind of, her shoulders and I just felt this, that, that she was like, oh, like I felt this shame. And she started saying, I, I, I kind of just sense it, that she was like feeling shameful. And I, I leaned into her and I said, hey, we're working on this. We're talking about this, but Charlotte, I need to let you know something. 
You could leave your shoes in the middle of the floor a million times. The whole floor, the whole house could be like five layers deep of shoes. And I will not love you any less. And I, and I was like, that's what she needed to hear. Because she was so, think, she, she said, man, I made a mistake. And I have shame. And I'm sorry, Dad, I'm, I'm bad. You know, I, I, she didn't say that, but I, I felt it. And what I wanted to encourage someone today is that your identity isn't based on how well you perform because you're gonna fail. Some of us today have found our identity in what we do. We've been basing it off of what we do and we've all these other ideas, all these other mistakes have come up for, me, for you. And a, a real quick story of, of this being so real for me. Three years ago, it was 2018, we were leading the West Sac campus and man, I'm so, I look back on those years of leading the West Sac campus and I'm grateful for so many faces I even see here now of, of the work that God did there. But it was three years into it, started 2015 and then it was 2018. And I felt like I was losing steam with, like we were losing momentum and I, it just wrecked me. And I didn't know why I was feeling like I did. I was having this battle with, in my mind, of trying to remind myself of all the good things that have happened from it and say, no, 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 you're, you're being used by God. Like, remember what's his name got saved? Remember he got baptized? Remember? And I, but then I was like, oh, we haven't had anybody be baptized for a little bit. And I was kind of like fighting this battle of saying like, no, I've like accomplished a lot. Like God's still using me in this place. And it was exhausting. And I finally like just gave up. Like maybe I haven't. And, and it wrecked me to a point, but it, it helped me identify a chain in my life. And that was, I was basing my identity on what I could do. On, on all, I was basing my identity on an outcome. I was basing my identity, identity on the success or failure of it. And at times it was great because I'm like, man, a lot of people got saved. Look at me, I'm a pastor who leads people to Jesus. But what if I don't see it? And it doesn't happen. And I'm saying, man, maybe I'm not just, maybe I didn't just fail or maybe I'm not seeing the success, but maybe I am a failure. And I want to tell you that, that I'm so grateful that I broke down in an elementary school bathroom after a service where I felt like I just preached the worst sermon. And I was feeling like, man, I can't do this because God showed me. He said, Lauren, I'm proud of you. Not based on your success or failure. I'm proud of you because you're my son. And, and Jesus, when he was baptized, this is the message I feel. He, he was baptized to show an example. We're going to do baptism here in a minute. And he was baptized. And after it came up, the, the, the Holy Spirit came in like a dove. And the voice from heaven saying that from his father, he said, this is my son who I am well pleased. Guess what? At that moment in time, he hadn't done any ministry. So many odd times people are saying, man, once I do some stuff, then God will approve of me. Then God will be pleased by me. I need to go and do some stuff. I need to go and get some people saved. I need to go and do something important with my life. And then God will be pleased with me. Some of us are working for approval. Some of us are operating for approval, but you already have it. You need to not work for approval, but from the approval that God sees you as his child and you can't be more loved. Doesn't matter how many mistakes you make. Doesn't matter how many times you leave your shoes out on the floor. God's saying, I love you because you're my son, because you're my daughter. 
Scripture says that because when we put our faith in him, he gives us the right to be called children of God. And I wanted to lean into this because some of us are attaching our identity to our, to our actions, to our accomplishments, to what we do and not who we are. And some of us feel so unworthy. Right when I brought it up, right when I brought it up, it says, God can use you. God has a purpose for your life. You are, you are his workmanship. You're like, yeah, but you don't know what I did. You don't know what I did last week, last month, last night, five years ago. You don't know where my family, what, what, going on in my family. Some of us are attaching our worth to what we do. And and I want to tell you these two things, fear and shame. Fear says this, fear says, I can't, because it's like, man, I, I can't do this. But shame is connected to your identity. And shame says, I'm not. Shame says, I'm not worthy. And some of us are attaching our identity to our mistakes and we're, we're, we're coming into this place where it's like there, there's a spiritual bondage when we connect our identity to our mistakes, to our identity. But God says, I've looked past that. And we just sang this song. So it made some of you uncomfortable because you're like, am I allowed to say this in church? Fear can go to hell. It's like, I'm supposed to say fear can go to heck. But it's so, it's so powerful because it's like fear is not from God. Shame is definitely not from God. And we're saying that, it may make you uncomfortable. I had at first like ask my mom, am I allowed to say this in church? But declaring that, saying, you know what? Fear can go to hell because it's not from God. Shame can go there too because that's not from God. And I know whose I am. I belong to him. Some of us need to take this key wherever it is. Some of us need to take this key that says my identity is not based on anything else but who he says I am. And he says I'm loved, I'm favored, I'm anointed, I am his child. It doesn't matter how many times I mess up. It doesn't matter my past or where I come from. God sees you. He sees you and he says, you're my child. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You have purpose in your life. And when you do that, it unlocks purpose in your life. And I want to pray for some people that may be dealing with all these things, some of these things, or specifically that identity issue. If you would just bow your head across this place, I want to give you the opportunity to say, yes, God, I just need that healing. I want to walk in my purpose. I want to knock these chains, break these chains, unlock these chains that are holding me back. And if that's you, you just want to respond to him. If you just say, yes, God. I recognize that some of these things are hitting home and I recognize that that I'm allowing things to hold me back. And you're saying no more. You're saying I'm going to make the decision to not be held back anymore. I just want to know who I'm praying for on the count of three. Just raise your hand up real quick. One, two, three. Just raise your hand up. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Hands going up. Thank you so much. You can put it down. I'm praying for you. And this is a specific second call. Your hands could go down right now. But if you're here and you want to make a commitment to Jesus and specifically the identity, he says, when you put your faith in him, those, to those who believe, he gives the right to be called children of God. 
And some of us need to just put our faith in him and experience the forgiveness of sin and reconciliation. That means coming to God, having a relationship with God. We call it fellowship or communion. Being in communion, being in fellowship, having a right relationship with God happens not by going out and doing a bunch of good things. It happens simply by saying yes to Jesus. I'm putting my faith in him. And if that's you, and you either need to commit your life to Jesus for the first time or recommit it and say, yes, God, yes, I'm going to put my faith in you. If that's you, I just want to pray with you. And I'm going to ask you to do something bold on the count of three. Just put your hand up on the count of three. One, two, three. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Hands over. One, two, three. Anybody else? You could put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you so much for your honesty and for your boldness with that. And I'm just going to ask us in this moment just to pray this prayer. It's not anything magical about the words, but it's who you're saying this to. You're, you're, I'm going to lead you in this. I'm going to ask you to repeat it after me and say this to God. Say, Jesus, I need you. I know that I have sin, but I know you're a great Savior. Come into my life and forgive my sin. Give me strength to live for you to find my identity in you alone. Help me to live out my purpose in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet across this place? This song, I want to lead you right into it. There's people that responded. There's people that raised their hands. The prayer team is going to be up here right now and also after the entire service. I want to challenge you in this moment. I believe chains are, are breaking and need to be broken right now. And that's saying, Jesus, Jesus, I need you. I'm going to, to focus my life on you. Would you sing this out? Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.